Welcome to the Steve Witt Podcast. Hello, everybody. Steve Witt here and talking about something a little bit different. In fact, I did a little investigative research and came up with nothing. I mean, there's just not a lot out there about symbolic significances of food in the Bible. Why is it that all the great things that seem to happen in the Bible are surrounded by by food as as a thematic object of what's being talked about. I mean, think about Jesus' life. Forget about the Old Testament for a minute. There's a lot of food back there. But in the New Testament, you find out Jesus' ministry started with turning water into wine. So he was at a wedding celebrating. Mom came in and said, Jesus, we need your help. We've got a supernatural problem here, and you need to help solve it. And he, he seems hesitant, but obviously— Jewish mom, he responds. He says, yes, mom, we're going to do that. Uh, and he uh, gets at it. Some people say that they filled those pots with water. God smiled on it and it became wine. I don't know. Sounds good to me. But anyway, I from there to his ministry ending, really, technically at the cross. But right before the cross was the Passover supper where they ate together. And the symbolism, this is my body. This is my blood. Why did Jesus pick food? Why is food so prominent? Why, when he walked in his resurrected body with some other guys down the road called the road to Emmaus, when they pull over to the side and they have no idea this is Jesus, they've probably seen Jesus. They may have been in the same room with Jesus. They evidently had knowledge of Jesus, but somehow were clueless. Something allowed them not to see who he was until they turn aside into a house sits down, and as the guest, he breaks the bread. When he breaks the bread, boom, revelation comes into their eyes, their minds, their eyes are open, and they see Jesus as who he is. And in that moment, when it happens, poof, he disappears. I mean, and then the feeding of the 5,000, the 4,000, the the uh, multiplication, throw your nets on the other side, the fish. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. I mean, he's the bread of life. I mean, there's so many biblical references to God. I mean, there's the understanding of koinonia, this breaking bread together. There's miracles. There's, I mean, it's attached to, food's attached to goodbyes in the Bible. It's attached to continue deep relationship, like remember the ladies, Martha and Mary, and their brother, Lazarus, that died? I mean, why did Jesus go to their house all the time? Why did I, I, I mean, maybe Lazarus was a joker. He was funny, good to be with. But you find out that Mary was, was deeply in love with the idea and thought of Jesus as the Messiah, and Mary was a servant and probably made amazing food, and Jesus would always pop by their little suburb of Jerusalem called Bethany, and visit with them. And, of course, that paid off big time when Lazarus died and Jesus raised him from the dead. So food, wine. Think about all the all the items that are listed throughout Scripture. I mean, just to name a few, oil, bread, wine, figs, fish, lamb. It goes on and on. And you begin to understand that food is a huge part of an expression of heaven. Symbolically, it is a big part but also in a very real sense, and sometimes even in a mysterious sense. When Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood, when you come together, remember as often as you come together, do this in remembrance of me. 
What is so important about it? The bread that breaks down, we break from one loaf, it goes into every person. It breaks down in our bodies. Of course, uh, Catholics believe that it becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. Protestants believe it's just a symbol. I'm definitely center right. I believe that it was more than just a symbol. And there is some kind of a supernatural fact that when you eat it, because if you don't eat it properly, some of you, the Bible says, will fall asleep. In other words, if you if you don't do the proper cleansing, and by cleansing, I'm not talking about some re, you know, uh, artificial, legalistic way, oh yeah, forgive me my sins, Lord, or whatever. But I'm talking about having an honest clearing, a raking of the rocks in your garden of your heart. You know, where am I? Can I approach the Lord right now? Obviously, through the blood of Jesus, we have access, but we get barnacles through the week, so we scrape those barnacles out before we take communion. So it's more than just bread, and it's more than just wine. It is something that can give you life or give you death. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? In fact, we go back. I've always had this strange relationship with with food. I mean, food is a, a teacher, even in the natural You can learn so much about food. I mean, what you eat is going to either bring you extension or quality of life or or reduction and even death in your life. I mean, God bless Fritos and Doritos and all those great things. You eat those every day, though, and that's pretty much all you eat. It probably is going to affect your, your lifespan. If you're drinking Cokes and all kinds of carbonated drinks and and uh, hopped up on caffeine, everything else. I mean, somewhere in your life, you're going to pay for it. I mean, especially as you get older, you realize that. If your life is full of carbohydrates, you know, huge amounts of people are getting diabetes in the United States because of all the carbs they eat. So somewhere you, you have an epiphany, a moment. I've had epiphanies that didn't change me. It took the Holy Spirit really to change me. And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to affect our diets, affect our diets. Not that I'm I'm big on, I mean, I don't go around telling people they're overweight, they need to lose weight. I don't do that. I mean, it's you've got to have faith for it. you. Holy Spirit's got to bring it into your heart for that to happen. But it is a great symbol, food before us. is a great symbol. You eat certain things that bring life to you. You can eat other things that bring death to you. Talk to an alcoholic, talk to a drug addict. They'll tell you their life can be very quickly turned off track by what they consume, what they put into their body, what they drink. It can affect them greatly. And so it's a teacher. Food teaches us that sometimes things can look good and may even be good for you in the sense that it fulfills the satisfaction of hunger that's in your heart, but it may not be good for you. Take the two trees in the garden. Let's think about that for a minute. Genesis 2, Genesis 3, the two trees in the garden. you got a symbol of choice going on here. I believe it's literal. I believe it happened. I believe there was a garden. But I also believe that it hangs over as a template of symbolism and real-life choices throughout eternity. Just like Jerusalem is real, but it's also a symbol. The cross was real, but it was also a symbol. And we can go through so many different things. Food is actually real, and it's also a symbol. And these trees in the garden, the food on the trees, the Bible says that there were many trees in the garden. The Lord planted this garden. 
and put man into it. And when he was into it, he said, look, uh, you can eat of every tree in the garden but one. Now, there was two trees in the midst of the garden. Some people, as they've studied this out, they believe it was one tree that was both the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I will not get into that because that's really has nothing to do with what I want to share right now. But the point is that there's two trees in the garden, and there's probably thousands of trees in the garden when God made it. They were all fruitful. He was called to tend and keep those, and he could freely eat of any tree of the garden. This shows you the absolute overload of favor and grace that God gives you in your life. He will give you, uh, well, let's just talk about marriage here and dating. He will give you 3 billion women in the world and one to find a date and maybe eventually marry. So 3 billion, it's, it's overload. Why do I need 3 billion choices? Well, he made it. I mean, when you go right down to the sperm that was released at the creation of your very life, they believe up to one billion seeds were implanted into the womb of your mother. Guess what? Only one of them makes it to the egg, carrying the little package with your name on it. And when those two unite together and all the chromosomes come together and they're happy as can be, that little submarine moves through that uh, uh, uterus and attaches to the uterine wall and begins to grow and eventually rapidly replicates until you are born out of that womb into the great person you are. Do you know the greatest race of your life was in the womb and you already won it? You beat out one billion other sperm? Like, you've got bragging rights, man. You beat one billion other potential yous. But you were the one that went through all that thick fluid, found your way in the dark. You were actually blind. You couldn't see. You had a little tail that wagged you, and you felt the stream, and all of some of your buddies there that had been ejected out also, they were going to the right and the left. They're banging their little heads in the walls. They don't know what to do. Somehow you knew what to do. Some people say if you bring it into scale, it's like you journeying from the coast of California to Hawaii in a speedboat and you found your way. You get up there and you realize there's two different tubes there. You made the right choice. You, by the time you got to the egg, there was about 80 to 100 other seeds already there, and they were looking to penetrate this egg and become one with it so that the total amount of chromosomes could be delivered. But something in your little, tiny, little, visible, not heart there, you felt in your very soul, I am a champion. I will win. You made choices. You reached the egg, and boom, you became you. You won. You were the victor. You were the champion. <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything else in life now. You made it. You beat out one billion other. What's a cranky boss at work? What's that? Who cares? What's the problem with your kids? You can work it out. What's the problem with your neighbor? Don't worry about it. You've already beat out one billion other potential use. And here you are. You make right choices. Let me tell you something. That's even in your fallen state. As someone who... As an ancestor, the person that bit the apple, took the bite out of the apple, you are one of those people too. But in that fallen state, you still knew, you still chose. You weren't standing there just banging your head in the side of the uterine wall. You carried on. 
And because of it, you were born. Life, life is your reward. And it's the same way with the Garden of Eden. In the garden, there was two trees, one of life and one of the knowledge of good of evil and evil. Now, the whole garden you can eat from, but these two trees, one creates eternal life. Evidently, Adam had not yet eaten from it because there was concern after he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good of evil that if he did eat from the eternal tree, the tree that produces eternal life, that they could never be uh, sustained or saved from that. There would be eternal death. So he had to be removed from the garden so he wouldn't be sustained by the eternal tree. Death had to come because he ate of the tree. I love the Orthodox Church. I have friends that are in the Orthodox Church. I love what the, the things they believe. I don't, I don't agree with everything, but I, I love the supernatural, real component of that side of the Catholic Church and how the Orthodox are. I had a Greek Orthodox professor when I was in seminary, and he was such an amazing guy. I loved him very much and, and took several classes with him. And he would sit there and smoke his pipe in the middle of the class and <laughs> ask to, yes, permission if he could from us. And who's going to re resist that? I mean, he's your teacher. He's going to give you a grade. So, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Just, you know, just smoke your pipe. And so he did. And what a lovely man was is he stretched my understanding of what a Christian looked like. I was raised in a little Pentecostal Assembly God environment. You know, I went to Assembly God College. I went to a Brethren Seminary, so I did get some stretching there, Brethren Seminary. And and I get out into this world of, of uh, you know, seminarian and, and, and different Christian beliefs and the Catholic Church. Actually, my mentor, my primary mentor from when I was very young in my early 20s was a Catholic lay evangelist uh, and a guy who had found the love of Jesus Christ while in the Catholic Church. So something powerful in all this stuff, when you look at the symbolism of the garden, it's about choice. You are going to make millions of choices in your life. Many every day, hundreds and hundreds of choices, what you, how your hair looks, what you wear, and all, it's a choice. So why does God choose food to express that, that challenge that we have, A or B, behind door number one or door number two? What am I going to pick? Which one? Well, the Bible gives you these, both trees, by the way, were pleasant to see and good for food. So there's open permission to eat this, except the one, the tree of life, would give you eternal life. The other one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you would surely die the day that you would eat it, you would begin to die. And so we find out that the trees aren't all really created equal because if you eat of the tree uh, that was good and pleasant to the eyes, but also it says of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was desirable to make one wise. Well, the devil told him that. He was lying. I mean, if you call wisdom having the innocence stripped off your life and seeing the evil side, most theologians believe that prior to this, there was choice, but there was a propensity in the creation to lean toward good. So there was one thing that leaned toward death. That was this one tree. And of course, that's the pink Cadillac. That's the elephant in the room. That's the thing that your attention goes to typically. Will you pass the test? Jesus had the same thing when he was in the wilderness, but he survived it. He thrived. 
He said, uh, he said things like, in my word, it is written, man shall not live by, here it goes again, food, bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, bread and word of God, bread of God, word of God. We are sustained through the continual revelation of the word of God. So we make choices. They made a choice. They ate of the fruit. Eve took it, gave it to her husband. He ate too. And immediately their eyes were open. A demonic revelation came upon them, I believe. Their eyes were open. They saw they were naked. It's interesting the Bible says that, of all things. It's an inference. It's euphemistically speaking of shame. Well, they had seen each other naked before, but now it felt shameful. And they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves cover. That's, that's the response to sin all the time, cover up. In fact, in, in modern politics, it's not the sin itself that's usually the problem. It's the cover-up of the sin that becomes the big issue. And so anyway, they made a choice. They, they ate of the wrong tree. Now, how does that relate to us today? First of all, the tree of life is mentioned symbolically throughout Scripture. In fact, let me just give you a few right now uh, that I that I looked up. There's one in Proverbs 3.18. It says, speaking of wisdom, it says, she is, wisdom is the tree of life. Uh, wisdom, in this case, is a woman. And I, might I say that continues throughout humanity. Uh, listen to your wives, guys. Listen to your girlfriends. They see things you don't see. So wisdom is a tree of life. There it is. To those who take hold of her. So when you embrace wisdom, you embrace life. You embrace eternal understanding. And it says, happy are all who retain her. What if Adam and Eve would have feasted on the tree of life? They'd still be here. <laughs> They'd still be here. But they didn't. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Proverbs 11.30 says, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. When you live right before God, there's the fruitfulness of life that comes upon you. And it says, and he who wins souls is wise. Proverbs 13, 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> when desire comes, it is a tree of life. And boy, is it. <laughs> I remember the tree of life in my life many times over. I mean, when I went through cancer and stem cell transplant, you know, I was in really bad shape. I've talked about it on the podcast before, so I won't get into it, but you know, when you don't eat for a couple of months or what you have is minimal, I mean, for about a, a month, all I ate was McDonald's uh, hash browns. That's it. That's all I could eat because of the chemo I was going through. I was losing hair. It was horrible. It was the only thing I could eat. I know it was horrible food to eat in the sense that it was deep fried, you know, but the doctor said, hey, if you can eat it, eat it, man, you eat whatever you want. And that's really all I wanted. So I lived on, uh, McDonald's should hire me as a spokesman. I lived on their hash browns every morning. I had to have something to eat before I could get my shot that would pull out the stem cells in my body and get them in my blood flow. And so I would stop and I was sitting at McDonald's 15 minutes. I'm getting my shot. They will not give me my shot unless I've had food. And I just looked over the menu and I told my wife, she mentioned that you want an egg sandwich. No, no. I mean, everything sounds so repulsive. I said, try, try a hash brown. She gave me that hash brown. <laughs> 
I can't believe I'm saying this. My hash brown was a tree of life. I mean, it sustained me. It sustained me. It gave me hope. I could feel strength from that hash brown. I mean, I'm telling you, if you have fasted for any given time, I did a 40-day fast once, 21 days of just uh, water and uh, I think a little juice. Then I, we did uh, the rest of it with uh, vegetables or soup or something. I forget. I can't remember. Uh, but it was 40 days. I just remember when I came out of that. I came out of the first thing I ate was so amazing. And when I came out of the hospital, even from stem cell, after just really living on hash browns, my first meal after I'd been healed up in the hospital, they gave me jello, stuff like that. I was kind of getting my appetite back. I come home and the doctor told my wife, fix him whatever he wants to eat, minus uh, raw things and or things that are fresh like uh, uh fruit and stuff like that that might have bacteria on it. I wasn't allowed to eat. But other than that, she made me a burrito, a huge burrito, kind of a Chipotle style, big one. And I looked at it, I thought, I can't eat that. I don't think I can eat that. I ate the whole thing. I ate the whole thing. I gobbled it down. It was a tree of life to me. I made the choice of good food. And you know what? After gobbling it down, I turned to my wife and said, make me another one. I ate two of them. You should have heard the doctor when he heard it. He said, what? You ate two burritos for your first meal? I said, yes. And he goes, well, okay. This might be a study in science or something like that. What an amazing thing. So these things are trees of life. Those things that give you life turn to. Not the things that 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 stroke your emotions or stroke. You know, you know deep inside as a father of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is leading you. Make the right choices. This is what food in Genesis teaches us, that food, something could look good, it could seem like it's good for you, and it could bring you to death. You could even think, if I marry this girl, I'm, I'm just going to be smarter. I'm going to be better. I know You don't know that. You don't know that. You go with the leadings of the Holy Spirit. And if it is about marriage, you know my rules. My rules are one year, man. You take one year, no sex, no relationship. Get married after the one year. But during that one year, four seasons, you see your, you see, you allow your spouse to see. In my case, they saw the spring Steve, the summer Steve, fall Steve, and winter Steve. You see the winter Julia, the spring Julia, the summer Julia, the fall Julia. And you'll know that this is the person you need to marry. That way you're not going by emotions. You're not going by sight. You're not going by what you think this person can do for you. You've seen them in the good, bad, and ugly, and you're willing to take a vow to commit to them the rest of your life, regardless of what you find out about them. That's a choice. That's a big choice. It's one of the most serious choices of your life, and it can bring death into your life. Trust me. I've been in ministry 44 years. Years, I've counseled a lot of people. Choice is a choice that needs to be carefully made. So where are you in the garden? What tree is in your garden right now? We're talking spiritually. What tree is in your garden that can crush you? What do you need to do to eliminate that tree? And what is the tree of life? The reason I talked about the Orthodox a few minutes ago is because the Orthodox believe they believed in the literal tree in the garden, the tree of life, but they believed that tree was Jesus. It represented the cross of Jesus Christ. That when you yield to the cross, the tree of Jesus Christ, life, eternal life comes into you. 
But when you look to the tree that other voices have been speaking to you and saying, partake of that tree, what God said is not true. You misunderstood what he said. When those voices begin to come into your mind, you realize you're in a battle and you know that is not the tree. I don't care how good it is. I've talked to people who said, hey, I'm moving out of town. I got this amazing job offer. And I said, really, what was it? Oh, I'm going to be doing this and that. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going to make twice the income I make now. So really, that's exciting. And if they're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I say, how did Jesus show you that that was what you were supposed to do? What do you mean? Well, like, what, what, was, the, what was the process? How did, he, how did he confirm in your heart that that's the right tree? That's the tree of life, not the tree of death, because we all know. You can, get a, you can pick a job, and it seems good on the outside. Once you get into it, it'll kill you. Start talking to guys like that, and they say, hey, you're scaring me, man. Don't say that kind of stuff. And I say, well, did you just take it because it was twice the income? Well, heck yeah. Wouldn't you? I said, well, no, I've actually turned down some jobs that were more than what I had and and definitely offered better situations because, and some of them weren't even bad. They just weren't life. They weren't life. It wasn't like I was going to die if I took that job, but it definitely wouldn't bring life to me. And I turned down many of them. Really great, great opportunities. Why did I do that? I don't know. Sometimes I kick myself and say, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you? But at the time, I knew in my spirit, I knew that it was good. I knew that it was good to eat. It was beautiful looking. It was with friends. It, was, it could have been an ideal situation, but the Lord told me being a friend to them and working with them is a different thing. So I turned it down. I'm so glad I did you know what? The Lord will lead you. You choose life. You may not be as rich as the guy next to you. You may not ha have this or that or that car or whatever, but I'm telling you, you will be more happy. The joy of the Lord, the fruit of the tree of life is the fruit of the spirit. It is love. It is joy. It is peace that comes on you. And so we stand with the true cross of Jesus Christ. We choose him. He said in John 15, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every tree in me, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that he may bear more fruit. You are already clean of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. This is so powerful. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear a fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, and, and, and neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus is telling you, I am that tree. I am that vine. Attach yourself to me and you will bear fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides, abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do no thing. Galatians 5 lays this out again. I mean, this, this duality, this, this conflict we have between one or the other. I mean, in Deuteronomy, it's choose this day whom you will serve. It's, it's life or it's death. Curses or it's blessing. You've got to choose. What do you want in your life? Curses or blessings? Restrict your life to the to the tree of life, Jesus Christ himself. 
It says in Galatians that if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In other words, if you attach yourself to that tree, Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, your desire for that other tree will lessen. It says the works of the flesh, this other tree, are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. By the way, there were 17 of those listed. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in past time, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is right out of Scripture. But then it has this glorious B-U-T. <laughs> Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is the other tree, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of the tree of life. It's your choice. What's it look like to eat the tree of life? Well, you know what? I, I think I can say that you become a tree. That's inferred in Isaiah 61. It's inferred in Psalm 1. You become a tree planted in a garden, Eden, by rivers of living water. Your desert, your wilderness has become, as this is in Isaiah, the garden of the Lord or the Eden itself, it says. You are a tree in that garden. You have taken a desert by the grace of God and it has flourished. I was just telling someone a few minutes ago when I went to the Holy Land, Israel, it was 1984, flying in, I saw the desert land. I mean, it's the Negev, it's desert, it's, but Israel has created an oasis in the middle of the desert. And you look down when you're flying in, you see the brown desert, the tan desert, sand and dirt, you know. And then you see these big circles where they've obviously had a shoot of water going out in a circle to raise their crops. Boom, 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 like connect the dots. Now it's like one solid dot all over Israel as, as a beautiful garden has emerged out of the desert, a promise to Israel. And for you too, in your life, and for your family in the future, out of your life, a garden has been planted and you are the tree in that garden. And you are an eternal tree of life to your family, to your neighbors, to those at work. What are they seeing in you? What fruit is in your life? Can they taste and see from your very life that God is good? Is your fruit pleasant to the eye? The people, when they look at you, they sense something different. They sense something of eternal life. Is it good for food? In other words, is this a good guy to hang out with? Is this somebody who wants to be a part of my inner circle? That's what you want people to think about you because you're a tree of life. You're attractive to the hungry. How do you attract the hungry? You feed them with love. You're accepting of all people. You're that tree. You're beneficial to the broken. You're an encourager. You're not one that's always whining. You're not what we used to call Eorism. 
you know, Eeyore, oh, 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 Eeyore. <laughs> it's, they're always, oh, yeah, what about this? But what about that? I mean, they're party poopers. They're wet blankets. What do you want to call it? You know, you're not that. You're beneficial to the broken. You are an encourager. You see to give and put courage into people that are totally broken. You are life-giving to bring hope of a future. And if necessary, like the Good Samaritan, you will help pay for that future for them. You get them up on your horse. You bind their wounds. You take them to the hotel. You pay for the hotel and you pay for any expenses that are there. What is that? That is a tree of life. That is the life of Jesus Christ. Wow. What an amazing time to be a tree in the garden of the Lord. I want to challenge you today. Make your choice. It's a food choice. It may be a food choice for getting fit. That's fine. I mean, I went through mine about six months ago. I uh, was fasting for three days. In the middle of that fast, I was it was so easy. Like, I've never had a fast so easy. My wife and I were fasting. In the middle of it, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this as an opportunity to change my life. And I did. Since uh, March till now, about six months, I've lost 22 pounds. I'm now in, in close to my, I'm in my college weight, getting close to my high school weight. And I'm, I know where I want to go. I've got about five, eight more pounds I need to do right yet. And I'm going there. And I, I got an app that helped me out, a food app that helped me. I got my wife envisioned so we could cook clean food. And I tell you, we are eating like we've never eaten before. I'm not just talking about quality. I'm talking about quantity. I'm eating a lot, but I'm not eating. It's not a ton of carbs. And, and it's stuff that is nutritious. It's ner- In fact, I've got snacks that I never thought I would like. And now they're making really good chocolate snacks that are actually clean. You don't need a lot, the whole bag, but you get a bite every day, you know, just to get that little taste of chocolate I'm eating. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the weight. And then last week, my doctor said, you know what? We're going to reduce your heart medicine because I had uh, open heart surgery three years ago. And so they cut it in half because my weight went down. My glucose levels dropped uh, down right on the line. They were up in pre-diabetic. They've dropped down over the past six months. Why? Because I got serious about choices. I'm choosing between life and I'm choosing between death. That template, that lesson we learn from food can be put over every area of your life. What tree are you eating from? God bless. I'll see you again in the near future. Bye.